strike time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone welcome to tribe talk presented by progressive jim rosenhouse along with you this weekend from chicago where the indians are taking on the white Sox in a three-game series the white Sox taking the opener on friday night by a final score of six to four what a week it has been for the indians as uh, the trade deadline produced several moves for the Tribe and, and seemingly a million moves throughout Major League Baseball. All of the big names who were rumored to be moving, just about all those big names actually did move to different ball clubs as teams were active in trying to add and teams that are struggling this season trying to add prospects. So a lot of activity during the trade deadline, and we'll get to that and hear what the Indians did with Chris Antonetti, the Indians president of baseball operations, who will fill us in on uh, all the deals that the Indians met approaching the trade deadline on Friday afternoon. We'll also hear from Indians pitching coach Carl Willis and from the Indians front office, the uh, Indians director of family engagement, Megan Ganser, who uh, talks about a great event that took place on the last homestand for the Indians. But first, the big news late in the week on Thursday, Tribe Manager Terry Francona announced that he would not be managing for the remainder of the season as he will tend to some uh, serious health issues that he wants to get taken care of. And uh, on Thursday afternoon, Indians President of Baseball Operations Chris Antonetti and Tito talked about the decision that was made. Uh, well, hello, hello every, again, everyone. Uh, wanted to, Tito and I wanted to uh, get the group together to share uh, some news. Um, Tito is going to uh, be away from the team for the balance of the year. Um, as many of you know, he has been battling a number of health issues over the course of the last uh, few months and really over the last couple of years. Um, it's amazed me that Tito's been able to make it this far in light of all of the things he's been battling. I think it's a testament to how much he cares about the team and how much uh, he cares about the organization. Um, He's persevered and battled through significant pain um, in in a number of different areas. And I'll, I'll let him elaborate on that if he chooses, but uh, I am incredibly grateful that he's made it this far, but at the same time, as I've told Tito multiple times, our foremost concern needs to be his health and well-being. And I'm concerned about that. I know Tito's concerned about that. And we want to make sure that we get him on a path to a full recovery. And given what he has going, and you obviously have all have seen him in his boot um, and how it's affected his, you know, the way he moves and things like that, we need to get it taken care of and get Tito back to being healthy and and fully mobile. Um, And so that's why we made the collective decision for him to take time away from the team and get the things addressed that he needs to get addressed. Uh, I'll turn it over to Tito in a minute, but 
I trust you can all appreciate how difficult this is for Tito because of how much he cares about the players, about the team, and about the organization and the responsibility he feels for, um, for the job and how much he cares about everybody. And so this has been an incredibly difficult decision, but it's one we arrived at together. And, um, you know, whether it's myself, Paul, Mike, uh, we've all encouraged Tito that he needs to do what's best for him and get back to being healthy. So uh, I'll pause there. Uh, in terms of uh, staff, DeMarlo Hale will be the uh, interim manager. Mike Sarbaugh will um, be the bench coach. And Kyle Hudson will go to third base. That will be you know, how we work through the Toronto series. And then if we make a determination to um, add to them, we'll take the next few days to make a decision of whether or not we'll uh, bring an additional coaching staff member up to the uh, major league team. So I'll pause there. Um, Tito, anything to add before we go to questions? No, thanks for doing that, though. I appreciate you helping me out there a lot. With that, we'll open it up for questions. Uh, Tito, what? From your point of view, what went into all this, and just what can you tell us about you know your health and where you're at right now? Uh, you know, the last road trip was kind of the maybe the you know it was really really tough for me. I mean, I was over overdone. You know, got sick. Um. So what's what's you know I've been in the boot as as you guys have seen. And, you know, last year I was contemplating on getting my hip done, but I couldn't because of all the other things that were going on. You know, being in this boot has kind of exacerbated that. So I've, I've been in contact with the doctors at the clinic recently and let them put their heads together because I have a lot going on. And they concluded that they would, they're going to replace my left hip on Monday and then five or six weeks after that, when I'm in good enough shape, then they'll put that permanent rod into my foot so I can start that healing process. So, you know, I have a, a decent amount of uh, work ahead of me, but it had gotten to the point where I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was doing my job appropriately. And, 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 I didn't feel like I was being fair to the organization, but at the same time, I almost didn't feel like I was being fair to myself either. I was having a really hard, you know, kind of an internal struggle on what to do. And, and the other day, Chris and I sat and talked for quite a while and, you know, the, that's probably what kind of, kind of saved me there. Like, you know, his friendship and journey also came down and, you know, that, that really helped me a ton and I needed it and they were there for me. Tito, I, I know you don't like to look too far ahead. Um, is it safe to say you're approaching this as if you still plan to, to managing a next season? You know what, Zach, I, I, I think what I, I know is that in the condition I am right now, I don't feel like it's, 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 I, I want to love my job. Like, I mean, and, and I, you know, you guys have been around me long enough to know that. I mean, I'm not talking about a loss or a win. I'm talking about the challenges that come with the job. Um, 
I'm just not able right now physically to do what, what I think, need, how it needs to be done appropriately. I haven't lost the love of the game or, or, or the love of our, our, our baseball team um, or the people in it. Um, if anything, I mean, I know I care more today than I ever did. Um, you know, the relationships have grown and they've gotten stronger. Um, but I, I gotta be, I, I got to get healthy or I can't do this job. So it, it, it's like one step at a time. Tito, Chris alluded to, alluded to it there. How tough mentally has this been on you? How, how tough was it to you for you to, to get to this point and, and understand that this is what has to be done? It's been really hard. It's been really hard. Like I think I was saying, I, you know, I've had this internal kind of battle on, you know, am I letting people down? Am I letting people down by staying? <laughs> am I being fair? Um, and, and it, it kind of, you know, up. I, I, I admit that, um, you know, everything, the, everything I do is hard, you know, whether it's getting to the airport or, you know, getting to the clubhouse, you know, you I mean, you see me taking pictures out. That's not even easy. Um, it's just, it doesn't make it very enjoyable. And, and I miss that. And, and I got it, you know, I, I have had, I mean, and it's not like during the season, I have a whole lot of life anyway, because I love being at the ballpark. But I mean, is all I do is go to the ballpark and then come home and get off my feet and lay in bed. And, and I got to give myself a chance to have a little bit of a life. You know, did, did you talk to the players or tell the players? I actually asked the doctors if I could fly to Chicago so I could talk to the players and then fly back tomorrow. And uh, they, I, I, I couldn't get permission because I, I need to, I need to go into the hospital tomorrow just because of my blood issues I've had in the past. Um, they're going to admit me tomorrow and give me a three day kind of a workup going into the surgery just to keep me safe. And and I, as much as I wanted to be and talk to the players in person, I appreciate the care that the clinic has given me. And it's not just me, it's anybody they touch. But, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that we have doctors that are that conscientious. So I do appreciate that. You know, you know DeMarlo well, you know, this is his first year here. Can you just tell us about like what you think in terms of him as a manager and, and as a leader? Um, I, I, all the things that I said about DeMarlo when we hired him, uh, they are only reinforced more when you're around him every day. I, I would also, you know, kind of say though, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say like, you know, Sarby and, 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 and Sandy and Carl and the guy, you know, Van Bo and the guys, all the guys that have been here, they are so good at what they do and they care so much. And, you know, that, so it's hard for me because I, you know, you, you go through stuff with people, even the hard times and, you know, you get so close to people and, and, and I care about them. And, but I mean, as far as baseball goes, I, I believe our team is in great hands. DeMarlo is, is tremendous at what he does and he will be, he will be just fine. Well, tough news, obviously, for Terry Francona and not an easy, an easy decision for him at all as he decides to 
uh, step away for the remainder of the 2021 season. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Indians pitching coach Carl Willis. That's after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Yeah, this season I actually had little business cards made. Eric Rubino, fantasy baseball GM. You can keep that. Sure, the players are famous, but come game day, I decide their fate. What's that? Oh, you make 20 million? Well, I don't like your attitude. You benched! Now, I'd never bench an all-star, but I could. That's also why I like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. With options based on my budget, they never throw me a curveball. <laughs> That's a little baseball reference for you. Get options based on your budget with Progressive, even if you're not a legend in your own mind. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from uh, Chicago, where the Indians are spending the weekend taking on the first-place White Sox. And the pitching staff is, uh, especially the starters, which had really struggled there for a while as a unit, starting to come around a little bit for the Indians, especially since the All-Star break. The pitching coach is Carl Willis, and he'll fill us in on the progress that a lot of his pitchers have been making for uh, a little while now. But first, uh, we talked to Carl about the news that Terry Francona would be stepping away from his managerial duties from the ball club for the remainder of the season and the impact that it had on him personally. Well, first and foremost, you know, we, we care about Tito. Um, you know, he, he's just a tremendous person, a tremendous friend, a tremendous leader. Um, and, you know, we want him to to feel better and, and to be able to, you know, not be so miserable, if you will, in terms of physically, the, the effort it takes for him to, you know, get this job done, the travel, the you know, walking in the clubhouse, communication with players, making trips to the mound. It's its a lot that that goes on, certainly not to the extent that the players are playing the game. It's not that type of physical work, but it's, it's a lot. Um, you know, there are long days. He's in the office for a long time. And, and uh, so, you know, we just, like I said, the most important thing is for him to take care of himself, to get things taken care of so he can feel better and uh, – you know, we'll all be excited when uh, when he can come back. Fairly seamless transition for you, based on on uh, yours and Demarlo uh, Hale's background in terms of, of working with him now. Yeah, you know, Demarlo's been in this situation before. Maybe not in terms of knowing. Okay, we we got sixty three games left, and and uh, you know, obviously Tito's not coming back. But you know, he he's been in the manager seat before, and I think personally myself. You know, Mike Sarbaugh, we were in this similar situation last year, you know, with Sandy Alomar. And um, I think that experience certainly will, will help all of us. And, you know, DeMarlo's knowledge, um, DeMarlo's relationships that he's already built with us, but the relationship he had with Tito, uh, which played a huge factor in him coming here and being a part of this staff. Certainly he has our trust and uh, we're certainly confident in him. And, and I think it'll be a seamless transition. Carl Willis joining us, Tribe Pitching Coach. Carl, you know, this last turn, actually a couple of turns through the rotation, and you're starting to get to that six-inning mark with a, a lot of your starting pitchers again. And what have you seen as being a big key here of late that's allowed, especially some of the younger guys, to pitch deeper in the game? Well, you know, it's a couple of things. I think first and foremost it comes down to command. You know, we talk so much um, 
you know, really in the entire industry nowadays in, in terms of guys' stuff and their pitch profiles. And, and obviously, that's hugely important and, and allows us to, you know, game plan and, and find out where their stuff is going to play. But their ability to command the baseball and hit those, those target zones, if you will, um, you know, that, that's still a key to the success, you know. And, and I think as, as they are building experience here at the major league level, uh, going out and, and proving to themselves, um, you know, that they have the stuff to pitch here, and when they execute, they they have success. And, you know, our, our struggles, as is the case with, I think, any staff, it, it comes with mistakes. And I don't think it's many times throwing the wrong pitch. It's just not executing the right pitch. And I think we're seeing these guys gain a lot of confidence and, and – uh, kind of being able to stay more aggressive and trusting what they can do and, and executing that. Back end of the bullpen, Class A and Karen Check, both have had wonderful seasons. They, they hit a patch where they gave up some runs in key spots, but it looks like they've made adjustments. And, and as good as their stuff is, is that still part of it too, making adjustments and, and, and trying some things that, that maybe they weren't doing before? No doubt about it. Uh, you know, I, I think any pitcher, regardless of their role, but certainly guys at the back end, um, you know, you have a week, you have a couple of starts, whatever the case may be, whatever your role is that, you know, things maybe don't go well. And, you know, it could be from overuse or, you know, just, you know, really small things physically that, that aren't injuries. But, um, you know, we're always, you know, working to, to make adjustments and, and working to maintain our strengths and what we do very, very well. And I've been very, very you know, pleased and encouraged by the fact that, that both James and Emmanuel, when they have struggled, they have seemingly been able to bounce back, whether it be the next day or two days later, and, and quickly right the ship and, and not have a lengthy period of struggle. And that's so important for uh, particularly those bullpen guys. Carl, as always, appreciate the visit. Thank you. All right, Rosie. Thank you. That's Indians pitching coach Carl Willis. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this timeout. Don't go away, folks. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from uh, Chicago, where the Indians are taking on the White Sox this weekend. And don't forget, a lot of different ways to pick up the show each week. You can do so on the Indians radio network or at indians.com, all the archived editions there. And you can also listen to Tribe Talk in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcast. Well, this week was a busy one on the transaction front for the Indians with the trade deadline on uh, Friday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And the Indians were active indeed. And Chris Antonetti, Indians president of baseball operations, fills us in on all the moves that were made as the deadline approached. I'll try to do my best to summarize. It's been a busy day. Um, first off, we traded Eddie Rosario to the uh, Atlanta Braves um, effectively to uh, clear a spot for us in the outfield. Uh, we were also able to uh, save some money uh, in that transaction. Um, other trades that we made today, trading Jordan Luplo uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays for uh, minor league pitcher Peyton Battenfield. Peyton is a uh, six foot four, 220 pound right-handed pitcher currently in double A 
He's got a good mix of pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. Uh, we see him as another uh, quality starting pitching option for us moving forward uh, at the upper levels of our system. And as you heard me say before, one of our goals uh, heading into the deadline was twofold, which was to um, create opportunities for young players and also try to improve our minor league pitching. Uh, importantly, he's also not eligible to be selected in the Rule 5 draft uh, this winter. We also traded Phil, uh, Phil Maton to the, and uh, Yiner Diaz, a minor league catcher, to the Houston Astros in exchange for Miles Straw. Miles is a guy that we've actually tried to acquire in a number of different times in the past. Uh, we view him as a uh, premium defender in center field and a elite base runner. Uh, he controls the strike zone really well and uh, does a good job of getting on base and utilizing his speed. So we're looking forward to him coming over and uh, playing center field for us and helping us stabilize that position. I think did I cover the one? I think we covered the other ones yesterday. So I think that's it. Chris, how much did um, the Rule 5 guys down in the minors play into some of the moves you guys may have made over the last couple of days? So one of the things we wanted to try to do, Andre, was manage our, you know, our 40-man our roster moving forward for the balance of this season into the offseason and next year. So that definitely was a consideration for us. Chris, how good is uh, uh, Shaw in center field? And do you see him as a, like a regular player? We do. I mean, he was playing every day for a team that's you know, got among the best records in the American League. And so he'll come over and we expect him to play regularly for us in center field. Um, again, his calling card is his defense and base running. And he does both of those extraordinarily well. And he also controls the strike zone pretty well, line drive, contact-oriented approach, and does a good job of getting on base. I've been getting a number of e emails from fans, Chris, asking me, uh, why is DeMarlo the uh, manager as opposed to Sandy? You know, well, Sandy haven't done it in the past. In, in talking with Tito, I think we wanted to try to do things as seamlessly as possible. And DeMarlo's obviously been serving as the bench coach uh, throughout the course of the season. And it was a more natural transition to, uh, for him to assume those responsibilities and allow Sandy to continue to serve as a first base coach where he does such an extraordinary job. Was Sandy good with that, Chris? Yes. Tito. Yeah, that was, Tito and that was the other thing people wondered. So, And then finally, the kid, uh, the kid from Tampa was uh, Attenfield. Yeah. I just looked at his stats. I didn't realize they were that good. You know. Um, oh, he's done. He's been a really effective starter. He started the season in High A and has pitched in Double A, and he's done a really. He's been a really effective starting pitcher. For How hard does he throw? Uh, he averages right around ninety-three. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. Chris, moving Jordan and and Eddie, and then adding Miles to the mix. How do you see? the evaluation process for a guy like Daniel Johnson the rest of the season? Yeah, so we were juggling a lot, Matt. Obviously, the outfield was a bit in flux for us, and that's um, when we thought we had an opportunity to acquire Miles. Um, yeah, that kind of helped us think about the uh, Luplo trade, and you know, we felt that in order to do one, we probably had to do the other to still have opportunities for some of our younger outfielders. And the trade earlier in the day with Eddie was, again, twofold. Um, you know, as we tried to think about our roster for the second half and um, playing time in the outfield, we felt it was best for Eddie to get those opportunities somewhere else so we could allocate that, that, that playing time to some of our younger guys. Chris, in general, was this about as whirlwind as you've seen a trading deadline day? It seems like there were a lot of moves around the league. Was it as busy as you anticipated? I can't remember. I mean, they all feel busy, but today was nonstop. Um, 
I mean, we went all the way down to the wire and there were, a, we executed a number of trades, but there were probably at least another dozen other ones that we contemplated seriously at different points in time and exchanged different ideas. And some of which we thought we were really close to the finish line on. Are you going to do anything? Is Sandoval going to be on the team or? You no, gonna... I'm sorry. So we, end, we will end up releasing Pablo Sandoval. Uh, Chris, was, was that just to balance the, the salaries with Rosario and Sandoval? That was an element of it, Paul, yes. Chris, do you see Straw as the starting center fielder? We do. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he will get regular opportunities in center field, and we do think that that allows um, Daniel Johnson, Harold Ramirez, Oscar Mercado, and Zim to, to predominantly play the corners. And, you know, there will certainly be days we are, where we give um, Miles a breather and uh, some of those other guys will get some reps in center field, but we expect the majority of the time to go to Miles. Did I hear you right, Chris, that you had tried to get um, Shaw for a while? and uh, Straw, yes. Straw, I'm sorry. Yes. Let's try it again. That guy, Straw, have you yes. tried to get him for a while? And, and I yes, guess we did. I we guess maybe over how long, like a year or something? Yeah, we liked him, uh, I, not quite, uh, multiple trading periods so for over a year. Okay. We view him as one of the best defenders and base runners and um, best center field base runners and defenders in the American League. Because when you look at the, the hitting stats, they're, I mean, I see the on base and that, but they're not, you know, they're not, they don't jump out. But yeah, he, his, it, you know, no one's expecting him to be a power hitter, Terry. He, okay. he brings value to a team in a different way. If, if you've had a chance to see him play, he can really impact the game with his defense. And when he's on the bases, he's a threat to, you know, to steal a base, to go first to third. He can really make an impact on the game with his uh, legs. Chris, not to pile on a guy who's no longer here, but did you guys feel like you never really, saw the best for an extended stretch with Eddie Rosario? I think that's fair, Zach. Um, you know, Eddie got off to a tough start. I think we saw stretches prior to him getting injured where he started to heat up, but then unfortunately, you know, went on the injured list with the uh, oblique. And, um, you know, we just never, never did get to see the best of Eddie. And I do think he's going to go over to Atlanta and, and be able to help them for the next, for the last month and a half of the season once he's uh, ready to come off the injured list. Could Straw be a, a leadoff hitter, Chris? I know he couldn't do that in Houston, but what, what about in Cleveland? He potentially could be, Paul. As I mentioned, we will have someone in the leadoff spot, and he could certainly fit that bill. We won't leave it blank. Chris, do you expect Battenfield to report to Akron? Yes. He'll join Pelkington there. I think I said it right this time. Hey, Chris, did, um, did Tito end up going to the hospital today as planned? He did. Chris, I don't have the, the the release right in front of me, but both Pelicanton and uh, and Battenfield are are potential. They're starters. Yes, both are starting pitchers. Both will go into the Double A rotation. Chris, it looked it looked like Diaz, the catcher that that went to Houston, had some good numbers. Was did the Astros were they insistent on him, or how did that work out? It was a guy that they identified that they liked. Um, He's, he's had a track record of some success in the minor leagues offensively. He is another guy that was eligible for the Rule 5 draft this winter. Um, you know, as we assessed our Rule 5 protect list, we weren't quite sure we'd have enough spots to add him. So it seemed to make sense for us to include him in the trade. Chris, could you take a wild stab at, at maybe just your own personal opinion why we've seen so much activity this year than in years past? 
Uh, I think activity was down a little bit last year uh, with the pandemic because people weren't quite sure how much of a season would be left and exactly what the playoff format, how that would play out. So maybe there was some pent up uh, demand <laughs> and interest in, in making transactions this, this deadline. I haven't had a chance to process them all and see exactly how it stacks up, but it sure felt busy and it, and it seemed like a lot of deals ultimately ended up getting done. That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this timeout. If I learned one thing from this great game of baseball, it's that she'll humble you. You think you've got it figured out, you check the standings, and you're in last place again. I'm Eric Rubino, fantasy baseball GM, and I can put my team in position to win every single time, but I can't play the games, people. At least Progressive's Name Your Price tool has options based on my budget. It never lets me down, unlike my pitching staff. Amateurs! Get options based on your budget with Progressive, even if you're not a legend in your own mind. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Chicago, where the Indians are playing the White Sox this weekend. Last weekend at home, Indians players at the major league level normally get out at different points in time and do some charitable endeavors and this past saturday there was a great event called play ball at talty field for about 50 members of uh, play ball clee and foster children from the area too so a lot of young kids who maybe don't, wouldn't get a chance to participate in this type of camp had a chance to do so and we are joined by megan ganser who's the indians coordinator of player engagement and family relations and you were kind of the point person when a player in the Indians minor league system deep in the system reached out to you to get this thing going and tell us when this started Megan and and how it mushroomed into something really great. So this was something that really has been for especially beginning with our minor league affiliates. Um, There were three minor league players Quinn Holmes, Alex Call and Billy Wilson who approached me during spring training. They all kind of had different ideas on the table. Quinn Holmes and Billy Wilson wanted to host a youth camp for um, baseball and softball players, and Alex Call was interested in giving back to foster children. Um, I merged their interests and, in the middle of a pandemic, said, well, let's see what we can do with all of these great ideas. Um, we gave it a few months, and before you know it, Major League Baseball's Play Ball initiative was back up and running, and we were able to partner with Major League Baseball and bring a play ball event to the Cleveland area, to our own Talty Field um, at a Cleveland Metro Park, and host this event at a wonderful location. I mentioned at the top, uh, the big league guys are involved a lot. Uh, A lot of times we have no idea how much they're doing. Carlos Carrasco is a great example of, of some of the many things he did, especially with the Cleveland Clinic. But to get minor leaguers involved and and we do have some minor league affiliates very close to Cleveland, but it still seems unusual that that would happen. And, and what was the response from the major league guys when they found out that, that some of these young guys just getting into the system were taking part? There was one player who arrived on Saturday to the event and looked at me and said, is that one of their teammates from Akron? And I said, yes, it is. And they said, how long of a drive is that? What do you mean? He showed up to this? And it was a really cool moment where I think one of the minor league players had the opportunity to inspire and encourage a major league player to get out and get 
more engaged in the community. Um, these guys are really bright at every level, and I often wonder if they'll take my job one day. <laughs> um, but their ideas are incredible, and they have dreams that exceed even what this event became. To, became. Um, I would keep an eye on a lot of these guys, and there's some good ones to cheer for. Megan Ganser joining us, Indians Coordinator of Player Engagement and Family Relations, and we're talking about a great event that took place this past weekend at Talty Field where foster kids and members of Playball Clee had a chance for a private clinic, camp, whatever you want to call it, but it was, uh, tell us about the day. What, what were they doing during the day and, and how much interaction was there with the kids and the players? So a group of 50 kids was honestly perfect. We had about 20 players from all different affiliates show up to the field and they had five different stations set up. They included Home Run Derby, which was probably the favorite, um, base running, grounders and pop-ups, pitching, and bat and ball game. So um, these were all wiffle ball clinics teaching the fundamentals of baseball and softball to these kids who most of them had never experienced the game of baseball or softball. Um, And with 20 players there, it's a pretty good ratio. Um, And you get some pretty good tips and um, some high fives and we had Josh Naylor on site who was one of our lead cheerleaders I think high-fiving everybody and um, he was shocked to see that one of the kids was not 15 they were in fact eight hitting homers um, and I think Naylor might have taken a couple tips from him too um, but it was a really good event and uh, even the rain held off and allowed us to get the day's activities in. You mentioned Josh Naylor and and Obviously, right now, it's a challenge for him to get around after that, that major injury he suffered to his leg. Uh, were you shocked that, that he was able to show up and, and participate and have a great time? So he reached out to me a few days before the event and asked me if he was permitted to join. And I said, excuse me, we would, we would love to have you. Um, this, this guy's a, a gem, really, um, and has done so much for the community already. Um, he invited his brother, Bo who is another one to look out for in, in the minor leagues. He's in Akron. Um, and the, both Naylor brothers showed up with tons of energy. Um, they were cheering the kids on. And I think a lot of the players showed the, the kid at heart that they are. Um, they might have had as good of a time as the participants. And one of the players that, that participated and, and ended up having a, a really strong tie to this was Indian Cy Young Award winner Shane Bieber. And uh, tell us about Bieber's involvement and, and why it was special to him. So every year at spring training, we survey our players with an, in an effort to get to know their true passions uh, in the community and the causes that mean the most to them. Um, this allows us to place them in the community and align with their priorities and their goals and giving back to others. Shane's top interest is foster care. Um, and so again, when I heard from Quentin Holmes, Alex Call, and Billy Wilson in February that they wanted to hold a youth baseball camp for foster children, it kind of sparked an, an interest and in it. it reminded me that that was Shane's cause of choice as well. So I immediately informed Shane and I, I um, you know, received an, a, an open and, and excited yes from him to participate. Um, and he rallied several of his teammates and came out to support uh, these foster children and, and youth baseball players who were in attendance. Baseball is such a day-to-day game. You get to the month of July, they, they start calling it the dog days. To see the, not only the major league team, but minor leaguers who have to drive a little bit to get here, 
participate in this. So what does that mean to you as someone who's in charge of these programs, uh, trying to get them off the ground and, and, and really make an impact in the community? I think Quentin Holmes said it best. It's a change in scenery for everyone, for the participants and for the players. Um, it's not very often that these players from different affiliates get to see each other. So in a way, I think it was almost like a reunion of sorts for guys who've been friends and who've played together at different levels. They got to see Talty Field, which I don't think many of our players have seen before, and it's a really cool location to host a clinic like this. Um, and on top of that, they, they're giving back to a group of kids and, and um, letting them know that they're loved and special. Um, and I think it's important they realize, these players realize that they grew up in under fortunate circumstances, um, and this is their chance to make a difference and make kids' days and you said there was an eight-year-old who was hitting home runs? There was an eight-year-old who maybe our front office should be after. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. He looked pretty good to me, and I know Josh would agree with me. <laughs> well, Megan, congratulations on, on helping to put together this event. I know you had a lot of help in that, too. But uh, continued success over the course of the season. Thanks, Rosie. Thanks for having me. That's Megan Ganser. does uh, some great work uh, in the community and uh, really with player engagement and, and getting them involved in community events. And another one took place last weekend back home and uh, really was a good time for all involved. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for his help in putting together our show each week. Until next week when we join you from back home in downtown Cleveland, I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and you've been listening to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.